Welcome back to another episode of Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Waisner. I want to start off this episode with a quote. Clear your mind of can't, Samuel Johnson. Normally, I don't use the word can't. I'm open to trying almost anything and understanding and knowing that when I try something for the first few times, I'm not going to be very good at it. But I'm prone to frustrations just like anybody else. Several months ago, I looked at my window shades and saw that they were in pretty bad shape. So I purchased some new ones, unpackaged them, arranged everything, and sat down and looked at the instructions and the photos with the instructions. The photos were more helpful than the instructions, and so I went about installing the brackets and then attempted to put up the shades into the brackets. And it just wasn't working. No matter what I did, the shades didn't want to fit into the brackets. I had tried and tried and tried, and I grew frustrated. And that thought entered my mind. Maybe I can't do this. But I knew better. And so I called a neighbor and said, could you come over here and show me what it is I'm doing wrong or incorrectly? She came over, she made one change, and the blind just snapped into position. That was a very reassuring snapping sound. My friend left, and I then installed three or four more shades that day. It was wonderful to hear that snapping sound as the blinds went into correct position. So clear your mind of thinking you can't do something. And there's no shame in asking for help. Because I already know I don't know everything. Now, I like history. I really don't care that much about the dates and the times, as a, except to put them in an order. And that got me thinking about the Declaration of Independence. Fifty-six men signed the Declaration. How many of them can you name? I thought I might get up to eight when I thought about it. So I wrote down the names that I could remember. John Adams, Samuel Adams, Benjamin Harris, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, John Hancock, and Charles Carroll. And that's seven, and I thought eight. That's not too bad, but seven out of 56 probably still isn't very good. So I did a little extra research, and I found that only seven of these men were over 60, 18 were in their 30s, and three were in their 20s. For the most part, these were young, vigorous, and a hearty lot of men. Most of the signers lived to be old men. Three lived to be over 90, 10 died in their 80s, which is pretty remarkable for the time in which they lived. Of the 52 signers, only two were bachelors. 16 were married twice, and the signers fathered close to 325 children. One signer had 18 children, another 17 children, and another 15 children. I know from my own family history that it was not uncommon for families to have between 10 and 15 children. The first and second generation of my family in, in America had 10 to 13 children for the first two or three generations. The signers of the Declaration of Independence had a belief in a creator who fashioned them in his own image and likeness. The people who came to America 
came from a number of different countries. English, Dutch, Spanish, Portuguese, French, and their religious faiths varied from Episcopalian to Roman Catholic to Congressional, Presbyterian, Quaker, or Baptist. Most of the signers served the nation with honor for many years. In 1826, which was 50 years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, only Charles Carroll, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams were still alive. It's been well reported that John Adams and Thomas Jefferson disagreed on many basic issues. And near the turn of the century, their political differences got the best of them and they became estranged. But eventually they found their way back to their friendship because they both recognized that neither men nor nations need to forgo friendship because they do not agree on every point. And they communicated until their deaths, writing letters back and forth to each other. Both of these men died on July 4th, 1826. Jefferson died at one o'clock in the afternoon and Adams perished towards the evening. So my question to you for today is, how many signers of the, the Declaration of Independence do you know? Several weeks ago, I twisted my knee, and so I had to wait for the swelling and everything to go down before I started doing more vigorous activities. But while I was waiting, apparently I got off balance and stretched or strained some thigh and groin muscle. And in doing the stretching exercises for that, I re-aggravated the knee issue. So I had to change some of the stretching exercises. Several days ago, I woke up with a great deal of pain above the knee and up into my thigh. It was very difficult to walk, very painful. I did heat, I did cold, I did manual massage, I did percussion massage, and nothing really seemed to help. I stay as far away from doctors as I possibly can. So I called and made an appointment for some sound healing. This is all based off of indigenous medicine therapy. There are Tibetan healing bells, Australian didgeridoos, and shamanic drumming. The medical world is embracing sound as a treatment. It can be called sound medicine or frequency medicine. The woman that I made an appointment with has a doctorate of nursing practice, is a registered nurse, and a certified music practitioner. Sound waves are created when any object vibrates. Everything in the universe has a vibration, a frequency. Human bodies have harmony and rhythm. Albert Einstein said everything is energy and that energy is all light and sound, which is basically frequency. Tesla said that if you want to understand the universe, then look at the frequency of vibration and energy, because that's what the universe consists of. They're all, you and I and everything is in vibration, and everything basically has the same resonant frequency. The human body produces a frequency that is between 2 and 12 hertz, and each organ can have a different frequency, but they're between that 2 and 12. And the earth produces natural frequencies that we've evolved with over a long time. And they're normal and we've become accustomed to them. When you compare that with frequencies from cell phones, other types of electronics, 
are radically different than what we have been exposed to over millennia. A cell phone produces a frequency that's over a billion hertz, and that's something that's quite different than what we're used to. Sound therapy, in the many forms available, looks to restore balance or homeostasis. Sound therapy works at the cellular level to restore the body's natural order. My practitioner uses tuning forks, which when applied to the body, is supposed to align, clear, balance, and boost the body's natural energy and resilience. I had a 30-minute session, and I found some relief immediately. Within a couple of hours, my pain was completely gone. What's interesting is that sound travels through water five times faster than air. And the human body is 75% water and a great conductor for sound. Water is a liquid crystal. Some scientists are coming around to the idea that disease means the body is out of tune, which is kind of like when a guitar or a piano or a violin is out of tune. It doesn't sound good, and the human body responds to the sound of the human voice. And that's why choirs can elicit such wonderful feelings from crowds. Our entire body responds to the human voice. Most practitioners of sound therapy honor the Eastern traditions of meridian alignment and chakra balance. And there is scientific evidence to support what and what they're doing. So spirituality and science are coming together in sound or vibrational frequency treatment. I myself have found it very useful. When I close my eyes, I see color. I see all sorts of colors. When I'm laying in my bed at night with my eyes closed, I see colors. There have been times when I've coughed or sneezed and I've seen white light. And my thought was, what the heck is this? So I do what I normally do when I don't know the answer and I begin researching. And I found out that we produce phosphorenes. Our eyes and brains don't shut off when denied light. You can think of your visual system when your eyes are closed like a recording camera with the lens cap still on. The camera is still functional. It can still record and store away data and information. It's just not that interesting. Research suggests that this is a very specific type of light a self-generated light, a biophotonic light, similar kind of light generated by fireflies, glow-in-the-dark deep-sea creatures, and our own retinas when our eyes are closed. It was nice to find out that there was a name for this and that researchers have been looking at this phenomenon since the 1950s. Our visual system are like a camera set to record with the lens cap on, and the camera lens is coated in a glow-in-the-dark paint that's still recording and storing away minutes or hours of data. That doesn't seem to make much sense, and at first appearance seems more than a little weird. Now I want to talk about purification. You may be holding on to ideas, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and ways of doing things that no longer serve you. 
It's time to release this toxic overload so that you can become freer, happier, lighter, and more energized. You may feel some anxiety and fear, which is normal. Be reassured that cleansing, detoxification, and purification will help you feel better, happier, and healthier. You are freeing yourself from ways of acting or reacting, eating, moving, thinking, and even the past. Confusion may vanish. Insight into relationships, current and previous life choices, belief systems, and physical toxins can be released. You can become more aware, empowered, and stronger. What in your life isn't helping or serving you to move forward in a loving, positive way? It could be any number of things, but you have to be willing to examine and determine what needs to go. Now, this isn't an easy thing to do. It can be difficult and hard. What needs to be changed or released? From my own experience, here is a list in no particular order. Possessions that no longer mean as much. A belief system that you don't really care about. Relationships with family or friends that are toxic to your well-being. That can include work relationships, toxins from cosmetics, foods, pharmaceuticals, home, or your work environment, and allowing others to impact your emotions, feelings, or thoughts negatively. It could be a combination of one or more of these issues. When you clear and release any issue, problem, obstacle, an empty space is created so you can receive something better or more meaningful in its place. We can become accustomed to carrying a burden that seems natural and normal to do so. We fail to recognize how different and easier our life would be without that burden. You might discover that you did need to hold on to it at all. Attachment can be detrimental and a powerful force that grips you with fear. Fear can easily confuse. Therefore, you find yourself holding on to the very thing that is going to disrupt and drown you as it works to convince you the life raft and support that you need. The best strategy isn't to hold tighter. It's to let go. Release your grip. Trust that your loosened grip will deliver exactly what you need, require, and want. The choice to freely release your burden and grip or surrender control will result in feeling better, having more energy, joy, and happiness. Any anxiety, uneasiness, or uncertainty you fear at letting go and releasing your grip reveals that you are breaking through the fear barrier. You're beginning a new chapter where you are open and trust what's happening in your life. Those uncomfortable emotions and feelings will pass. This is a free will choice to hand over what's not correct or right for you. Let go, loosen your grip release control, and surrender the burden that creates a space and room to receive. Holding on, not releasing your grip, not surrendering, is resistance. What you resist will persist. Purification is best done in a relaxed and open way, rather than in resistance. There is no reason to struggle when you can make a free will choice to free yourself from guilt, insecurity, pain, and shame. You have the power to choose freedom. You can be free of circumstances, dangerous, harmful, 
hurtful material situations and substances. Follow your gut, your hunches, your intuition, and let life provide you with what you need. My suggestion is that you don't try and purify everything all at the same time. Pick one thing and begin the process. If you smoke or you drink too much soda or pop, gradually reduce. Or maybe you're one of those people who can just quit overnight. Begin to take steps, take action. I like affirmations, and so I have several dealing with purification. I call commanded man to be shown with compassion, grace, and love. Those things that need to be released or surrendered from my physical body, mind, and spirit so I can live my best life. By divine grace and unconditional love, so be it. I am free to release those things that no longer serve me. I am free to choose those things that serve my best, highest, and most outstanding good. I want to move on to the universal laws. In earlier episodes, I've covered the law of accident, the law of belief, the law of emotion, the law of forgiveness. The universal law of control says that you feel good or positive about yourself when you feel you're in control of your life, or you feel negative when you feel you have little control. Control begins with your thoughts. To control your thoughts requires action, persistence, and continual monitoring. The universal law of concentration says, whatever you think about or dwell upon grows and expands. The more you think or dwell upon something, the more it becomes your reality. For me, the number one universal law is the law of perpetual transmutation. It says that energy from the formless state is continually flowing and moving into the material world where it takes form. Your thoughts are energy, and thinking consciously about what you desire, dream, or set as a goal, or invention, or vision, transforms this energy into form. Inventions come as a result of thought. The light bulb, the phone, human flight, and all their different versions came into existence as the result of thought and action. There were several different groups of people looking to invent the phone, and the same thing for the light bulb and human flight. And human flight has involved from planes to jets and helicopters to rockets. And SpaceX announced they're going to build a thousand starships over the next 10 years and are looking to send lots of people to Mars. Now, this starship looks like a corn silo that's 30 feet wide, 394 feet tall, and can carry 100 metric tons into space. All the technology needed for this endeavor exists today, but thoughts turn into form. And that's what the law of perpetual transmutation means. Thoughts into form. Are you familiar with Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay, Self-Reliance? I find it's even more appropriate today than when he wrote it. Emerson believed that true knowledge comes from within you and not from books, lectures, or the media in today's world. There are many concepts, ideas, or lessons to take from this essay. 
and I have prepared a list of, of the five top lessons, and there are more than five from the self-reliance essay. Lesson one is to accept who you are and where you are without exception and reservation. You are unique, whole, perfect, and enough in this moment. Your power is in your uniqueness. All you have to do is start or begin from exactly where you are. It's hard to begin any journey if you don't know exactly where you are. Acknowledge your position and step into a new journey. Stop comparing yourself to others. You shouldn't want to be anyone other than yourself. You can't be anyone else other than who you are. You're different and that's okay. I love this quote. There is a time in every man's education when he arrives at the conviction that envy is ignorance, that imitation is suicide, that he must take himself for better, for worse, as his portion, that though the wide universe is full of good, no kernel of nourishing corn can come to him but through the toil bestowed on that plot of ground which is given to him to till. Lesson two is to tune out the distraction and tune into your intuition. Modern life is filled with distractions, and it's difficult to hear your own thoughts. The airwaves are filled with junk, opinion masquerading as fact, and so much yelling and screaming that one can't discern the nature or the cause of the argument. Mobile phones, tablets, and computers with so many apps and games that you can distract yourself from life. You can't hear the voices within to hear the guidance and wisdom that they offer. Make a conscious and deliberate decision to tune out the distractions and find a place of solitude and begin to tune in and listen to your guidance. This quote from Emerson speaks to this. These are the voices which we hear in solitude, but they grow faint and inaudible as we enter into the world. Society everywhere is in conspiracy against the manhood of every one of its members. Society is a joint stock company in which the members agree for the better securing of his bread to each shareholder to surrender the liberty and culture of the eater. The virtue in most requests is conformity. Self-reliance is its aversion. It loves not realities and creators, but names and customs. Lesson three is to trust thyself. Trust yourself. If you fail to trust your thoughts and belief in yourself, you'll never find peace or any form of happiness or success. See yourself as a shining star that lights the path around you. You can inspire and lead others by your belief and trust in yourself. Lesson four is to face the chaos and darkness head on. There will always be uncertainty, obstacles, and problems to overcome. That's just a fact. That's the way life is. Welcome, hold, and embrace all the chaos of the world. Allow your light or fire to extinguish the darkness. Lesson five is to watch and learn from children. Children are the original nonconformist. You can learn from children. Children don't care about what you or I think about them. They do whatever pleases them in that moment. 
They also do what they think or feel in spite of tremendous resistance. See life and activities through the eyes of children and you will begin to see the wonder and awe of the world. Children have a capacity of daring that compels them to act with or without permission. So what do you think of those five lessons? Is there something that you need to take action on to improve your life, to improve or make changes? Reflect on it, write down anything that you need to work on, and take action. I have another quote, and it's from Benjamin Franklin. Here is my creed. I believe in one God, creator of the universe, that he governs it by his providence, that he ought to be worshipped, that the most acceptable service we may render him is doing good to his other children, that the soul of man is immortal and will be treated with justice in another life, respecting its conduct in this. So I believe in a creator, a universal energy, spirit. I want to share a poem or a prayer with you. I am the hand of source in action. My spirit's great desire is to live in light and love, to follow and lead, to touch and be touched, to live and learn, to make life's journey, to travel the path, to find the middle way each and every day. And a second poem or prayer. Light and power of love divine blaze throughout this being of mine. Love is mercy forever true. Always keep me in tune with you. I am light and love of source in me. Allow my heart and mind to be perpetually free. Source who gives my daily bread forever fill my heart and head with light and love so that others may see the beacon which shines bright to find their way to know they are never alone. Well, that's the end of today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and that you will return next week for another episode of Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Wiesner.